Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I'm Hannah. And I'm Tyler. We're here to learn more about the lives of authors that have inspired us, a journey into the stories they not only created, but also lived. So join us as we dive deep into the worlds that live just out of reach. Hello, my name is Brian Jakes. When I go to America, people fondly call me Mr. Jack Hughes, or Jack Wes, or even people who think they can speak French say, hey, it's pronounced Jock. <laughs> Down by the Mexican border, it sounds rather nice, it's Mithahake. <laughs> it's an old French name, Jakes, J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. And Brian, of course, is a Celtic name, which means the strong one. That's good, isn't it? Now, always remember this. The name is Brian Jakes. And as we say, Jakes, as in cakes. And oh, for goodness sakes. Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I am Tyler Clausen, as in... uh, Clausen. Son. (laughs) (laughs) And... Oh, for goodness sake, son. Son. (laughs) (laughs) And I am Hannah Ray Lambert, as in Lambert, not Lambert. Yeah, Lambert. None of that French stuff here. As in Bert and Ernie. Yes. Yeah. He'll always be Brian Jacques to me. (laughs) Yeah, you you always grew up seeing his name going Jacques. Yeah, being like, oh, I'm so fancy in French. I know an author's name is Jacques. Jakes. 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 Yeah. Uh, I just thought I'd start us off with that since we're I'm going to be talking about him quite a bit. Um, I don't know who you're going to talk about because uh, today we're bringing uh, some some different stuff. Last year we were able to do uh, middle grade books that we read as children um, or in middle grade. This year we did middle grade books that we didn't read until now or at least until we were adults. So... That was my choice. Brian Jock Jakes. I almost did it. Brian Jakes Redwall was the book I chose. What That's you- the mouse one, right? Yes. So uh, I I chose a new middle grade book. Oh. Because the thing is, like, when I look up, I looked up, like, best middle school books or something generic like that online. Yeah. And all of the ones that I was finding that were recommended to me were ones that I read in middle school. Yes. I was like, have there been no good middle school books written in the last, like, 15 years? Yeah. Did yeah. it all just stop in the early 2000s? Once Harry Potter hit, everyone's like, what's the fucking point Yeah, anymore? there's no point. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, I'm going to, like, specifically try to find a middle school book that came out within, like, the last two years. Yeah. So the one I read was um, Song for a Whale by Lynn Kelly. Oh, okay. Okay. It's delightful. Great. Well, who's going to go first? I think Who? you should go first because um, Redwall is the mouse one, right? It is the mouse one. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. One. Okay. <laughs> yes. I remember, I I feel like I've read this, but I I may be thinking of another mouse series. Uh, well, there's there's Mouse Guard, which is a comic book. It's a graphic novel series. Definitely didn't read that one. And it's it's I highly recommend it. In fact, I just recommended it to someone over Instagram the other day. Um because it's it's a lot like Redwall is, um, so it's it's if you like Redwall, if you like the idea of like these anthropomorphic animals, rodents and and creatures, um, and they have the society that lives around humans. But even like Redwall, there's no humans. There's literally zero humans. Perfect world. Um, that then. It's the same feel, uh, but one Redwall is a, a book, and Mouse Guard is a is a graphic novel series, and hmm. and my wife seriously loves uh, the graphic novels, so recommend it, highly recommend it. Um, yeah, so so I'm gonna get into mine first. Do it. All right. That way, there's less uh, less sermonizing towards the end of the episode. Is that why you we're know doing this? that's always a good strategy? Get the sermons out early. Well. Let's 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 back up a little bit. So we're Wait, we're backing this. up from the beginning. Yeah. Well, why are we doing this? It's 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 September, school time, right? School starting up. Corona's going going hard still. Wildfires pushed back the first day of yeah. online school. <laughs> yeah. Like what the hell? Like so so school's a bit crazy right now. Um, and inevitably though, students are going to have to do a book report. 
right? And so um, this is a, maybe not, maybe not a, a, we're not trying to help them cheat in any way, <laughs> but instead pique their interest, right? Yeah. At least that's why how I go into it. Well, I'm thinking of it too, like I'm, kids are spending less time actually in school right now. Yeah. And for me as a kid, that would have meant more time reading books I actually wanted to read. Yeah. Where like previously during school, I was always relegated to like reading them in the 10 minute breaks between class periods. Sure. And like sometimes forgetting to stop reading when class started and then getting like awkwardly called out by my teachers. Dude, I got, I got, uh, not yelled at, but like my math teacher got mad at me because I was reading the, all the Narnia books in her class. Yep. I remember one of my favorite teachers ever, like class had started and I was sitting in the front row and was totally missed the fact that class had started. And so he just came and stood like directly in front of my desk. The oh, whole no. class went dead silent and they just waited until I realized what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> then I look up from my book and I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, man, that's hilarious. Um, so, yeah. Back to school. So, yeah. So, this is kind of a, a way to encourage students in... Yeah, was that my phone? No, that was me oh, okay. bumping the table. I was like, that's a loud vibrate. <laughs> um, this is a way for us, it, you know, if, if you have a student or someone who who is at home and maybe you don't want them to just be on the computer or looking uh, at random stuff or playing video games, there are books out there that are really good, uh, especially for middle grade kids. Um, I would suggest listening to our episode last year uh, where we went through three each, right? Three each, yeah. Uh, or was it three or two? I feel three. like I only did. Because I did Nancy Drew, uh, Goosebumps, and God, what was the third one? Yeah, I thought I th- we did I three we each for some reason. Two. Maybe we just Because I did Animorphs and then the Young Merlin trilogy. Mm. Um, and so I, I don't remember doing a third one. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe I was just... supposed to, but I didn't. <laughs> Uh, so those four is a good right number. there, that's those are there's you're going to find four different series that, you know, people can get into today. You're going to hear two more um, that I am as an adult. I was so excited to jump into Redwall because I'd always seen it as a kid. And I just I I didn't give it a chance. I tried and tried and tried, but I just couldn't get into it. And that's usually how I was when I was younger. Like if it didn't hold my attention completely from sentence one i, I kind of got got thrown out i have add and it just doesn't work for reading books well that was like me too like i remember the first time i tried to read Coraline, which is an amazing book for some reason i didn't like it because i was like 10 or 11 maybe mm-hmm. and i think maybe it was because it was british yeah and so i didn't understand some of the terms i was like what's a flat why are they living in a flat <laughs> like i couldn't get into it for that reason so then i read it later as a teenager and i was like how did i not like this book originally yeah but yeah um, i would totally give up <laughs> as always i recommend the audiobook uh because that's how i read at this point i mean i do read literally uh but uh especially nowadays i feel like audiobooks are really stepping up their game you're getting a lot better narration and you're getting actual voice acting in a lot of them. Like, mm-hmm. I'm listening to Dune. I I'm started listening to Dune, to, too. Talking about Dune. You, you started it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't wait to <laughs> talk about Dune. Oh, my God. We got to stop talking about it now. The point is, it's really well acted. It's really well read. And so is um, Redwall. Um, so the audiobook is really, really well done. You get a lot of different fun accents and sounds and um legitimately the little tag at the end of our thing was is it got stuck in my head because they say the the name of several mouses like Methuselah is one oh, of the names yeah, yeah. of the mouses and anytime the main character's like voice says Methuselah he does this draw on it and he's like Methuselah <laughs> and like and legitimately I was walking around my house just like doing dishes Same and Methuselah. just being, Methuselah is that my sword Methuselah like just it's just it's stuck in my head now uh I almost want to name my child Methuselah <laughs> just so I can say it like that I really hope Becca's not listening right now <laughs> Becca doesn't listen to our show she won't ever know Unless somebody sends it to her. Mm. Don't tell on me. <laughs> uh, so so now I'm good. Uh, we kind of preferenced it, like why we're doing this a little bit more. I can talk about Redwall. Talk about Redwall. What do you know about Redwall, Hannah? Just mice and a castle. <laughs> just I think. mice and a castle. That's it. That's... <laughs> just, just the cover. Okay. Um, so Redwall, and, and I'm going by memory here. Uh, I don't have notes on the actual book at all. Redwall, basically, it, it it's the first book in what became a series. 
Um, and let's let's focus on just this book for right now um, because it gets so much bigger so quickly. Uh, the book Redwall is about an abbey um, in the moss flower uh, forest. Where that is, couldn't it's a beautiful tell you. name. No idea. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's just a, it's just there. And in this abbey, there is a sect of um, monk mice that uh, take care of it and take care of the people of the moss moss flower uh, valley or whatever. And so people come there, they help grow things, they work there. Some people don't live there. Some people do live there. It's it's a very uh, you know medieval style of of lifestyle where the community is built around this abbey. Um, it's known as being completely unpenetrable. Like it is a fortress if it needs to be. And it has been in the past. And, um, and you, you get a sense of like the, they haven't needed to use it for anything other than just being at that kind of place for people to go. Um, you get a, a wide, um, cast variety of cast what are, what's cast the word? of characters cast of or char a wide cast of characters yeah all right we'll go with that a large cast of characters and you get you know like the the abbot um the guy in charge his name starts with an m i can't quite remember if it's it's not methuselah there's a mm, matthias matthias no well, that's the matthias. main that's the main character the main mouse Maybe it's Mathis. But Are they it's all, all M's. M's. It's all M's. And it's super annoying because it's I can't remember. Because there's so many characters. There's so and many M's, M's and there's yeah, and and so it's it that like all the mice are all M's basically. And uh and then you got like a badger who's like super badass and like she doesn't put up with any crap. So uh she's super cool. There's there's a few other people throughout the story that you get to to know, but the main character is Matthias the mouse uh he is you know just another kind of he's not a full monk i don't think i think he's uh whatever would be lower than that and uh he's he just helps out he's a little bit clumsy he's a he's a dreamer and and everyone talks about um let me look up his name because again it's another m <laughs> Oh, sweet goodness. I just like heck. all of the alliteration there, like Matthias the Mouse Monk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he does it all the friggin' time. Martin. Martin. Everybody talks about name. Martin the Warrior and how he he like saved the Abbey and he like he made sure that everyone's safe and he had a he had a magic sword. It's very, very much a King Arthur situation going on, right? Um, and somewhere this magic sword exists, but there's no need to use it because they're peaceful mice. They, they don't do anything to harm anybody. They're there to help. But Matthias dreams of being a warrior mouse like Martin. Um, and, uh, and eventually his dreams are going to be kind of, are going to kind of come true. They're going to, they're going to come to fruition because, uh, Clooney the Scourge is coming for the Abbey. The Scourge. Clooney the Scourge. Uh, now, in the audiobook, if you listen to the audiobook, be prepared to turn down the volume every single time Clooney the Scourge talks. Because he doesn't talk. He screams oh, every single line. And he's got this thick French accent. So he's like, you dog fucks! Oh, kitty! Like literally, ev that's every single line that he does. <laughs> Are there different narrators, or is it just one? Just a lot one of narrator, and then they just do a bunch of different voices. Okay. Um, what and, a talented chap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I don't think it's the same guy doing all the voices. Well, that's I'm what I'm trying I meant. to remember. Mm -hmm. If it's, I feel so like so they have people. actors. Yeah. Okay. And that actor, whoever did including the scourge. <laughs> Top notch deserves an Oscar. <laughs> just step back from the mic a little yeah, bit just next a little time. Bit. Let's throw a compressor on that, guys. Um, and uh, Clooney leads a band of just the worst kind of mice and vermin. They got foxes and ferrets, and 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 he's a big, big sea rat, and he's got uh, he's he's all scarred up, and his tail has like a like a poison tip 
like like weapon at the end of it so he'll like whip his tail around and like strike you like a scorpion and and then you're poisoned and you'll die and and then he's got his swords and things and like when you first meet him like they're like riding a carriage like a big like human-sized carriage down uh some road and uh and then like and then he like makes the horses go nuts and then all of his like the whole thing like tips over and then they go like sprawling everywhere and like half his men die and he's like well then you might as well turn them into food and we're gonna keep moving because we got somewhere to be and it's just like whoa this guy's badass right uh and basically he's coming to the abbey and he's he wants to take it over because it's going to be the perfect defense for his crew of of people to take over and he wants to make himself the king of the area so uh matthias being the the young dreamy um uh starry-eyed mouse that he is he's like well you know what fuck off dude we're not gonna let you in here and so it starts this kind of standoff area uh, uh, era of the Red Wall while uh, Matthias starts to go on this adventure within the Abbey to find the magic sword of Martin the Warrior and this is where Methuselah comes in he's like the the Abbey historian and he knows all the stuff he's super old and him and uh, Matthias become really good friends and they start solving all these puzzles together and and they're just like they're like clicking you know it's like Starsky and Hutch or like Turner and Hooch or something I don't know (laughs) wait I have a very important question because it's going to bother me otherwise yeah is the abbey human sized or mouse sized according to what they did in the story it's mouse sized okay if it came out that it was human sized you'd be like how did how did they get around how do they do anything at all this doesn't make sense as you were (laughs) but and and that's the thing in the earlier books it takes like there's actual like it, there's parts of the story that are about building the abbey so it was built by mice or at least mice in and and other people of this size so it was built mouse size um so so this starts you know back and forth you're you're watching matthias and methuselah running around solving all these puzzles to try and find uh martin's sword uh matthias is getting visions from martin the warrior you know yoda style um Clooney the Scourge is is starting his attacks on the Abbey and the Badger and the Abbot are like defending it and doing a whole bunch of stuff like like boiling oil and and all that like medieval warfare it's all of that um and then eventually Matthias finds out that the sword was up at the top and but then the sparrows the war sparrows that live up there which you they don't talk to sparrows because they're like crazy and they're bird brained and they'll attack anything that comes up there. He champions them and like defeats the the main one and basically is like, "Look, you're gonna follow me or else." And then so one of his one of the sparrows that he saved is like his now his other best friend and she helps him and then he makes friends with a, a shrew from the wilderness and the and that shrew like his tribe is all like bar- barbarian style like like shrews that live out in the woods and so he like champions them and they're like yeah we're gonna follow this guy's and now he's got sparrows on his side he's got like barbarian shrews on his side and there's like millions of them because they're shrews and they all they do is eat and fuck all day so it's like they're just reproducing like crazy (laughs) this is a children's book (laughs) they don't ever say that but it's implied uh, and then he like makes friends with some cats uh, and helps the shrews that way. He may, he like outsmarts an owl at one point and and then eventually he he takes on an actual like snake and the adder, uh, which has like been killing things left and right. Um, it's like it's like the like the third problem, you know that there's always the two people going at it and then the third problem is there he's that third problem mm. matthias takes him on no problem yo gonna take that shit down and then he shows back up including the scourge is about to take over the abbey and then matthias is like yo i got my sword and i got all these guys with me so you can fuck off and then he kills him and it's wow. great and it's like and he kills him because like methuselah gets killed Mathis, I think it's Mathis, is the abbot or whatever. He gets killed. Like, all these people that loved Matthias and really took care of him as a kid, they're all getting killed off because of Clooney the Scourge. So, so, um, 
So Matthias cuts the bell down from the top and it comes crashing down on top of Clooney and totally kills him and squishes him dead. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty dark. It got, He doesn't stray away from the darkness of actual like battles and stuff. Um, and, and so that's the first book. There's like... You're still counting. 24 books oh my in the God. series. And two of them came out after he died. Yeah. Wow. Uh, he had been writing them, but then as as he he ended up having a heart attack, and so they weren't published before he died. Um, when did they start coming out? Uh, Redwall came out in 1986. Okay. And um, there's it's the ninth book in the series. Is the series called Redwall? Yes, it's a Redwall series. Um, it Redwall was the first book, but it's the ninth book in the series. So he did eight prequels. Oh my god! So we get to see Martin the Warrior. We get to see another guy called the Legend of, or it's called the Legend of Luke. Luke is another thing that's a big deal. Um, we get to see just kind of how the Abbey was built and and all of that. And then everything that happened after Redwall and all this and all the groups and, and things and struggles that the Redwall Abbey continued to have afterwards. Um, it doesn't it's not one continuous story. It's not like you're following Matthias throughout. Matthias' story is Redwall. And then you get to see other characters' stories through the series. So it's almost okay. almost an anthology. Almost. A twenty four book anthology. When did he die? <laughs> Uh, he died in 2011, I believe. So uh, to get into Brian Jakes a little bit, um, he started writing at the age of 10 years old. He was born in 1939. He started writing at the age of 10. And uh, the big thing was um, when he he wrote a story for class um, where he wrote on his own, he wrote a whole story about how a bird was brushing the teeth of an alligator or a crocodile and this is uh much like uh another story that already existed um and his teacher got really pissed off at him saying like oh you're copying he's like no i wrote this like from my own imagination and so he got in huge trouble for stealing the story that he wrote but he had come up with that on his own wow it's like that famous michael scott uh, quote where he's like when I was 10 years old I imagined a unicorn before even knowing <laughs> what a unicorn was it I imagined a horse with a spike going into its head <laughs> 10 years old <laughs> oh my god except he actually did think of it first yeah exactly um, he graduated well I say graduated he he left school at 15 um, but that was pretty normal at that time so I put graduated specifically so it was a reminder of like he didn't drop out at 15. He ended his schooling at 15, and then he became a merchant sailor. Great career for a budding writer. Right? Like, all all the really great writers spent some time on the water. Yeah, on the water, like on a river, on a steamboat. Something. On you a ship. You got Mark Twain. You got Herman Melville. Was Lewis on the water at all? Uh, mm, no, but he was in the war. So he was I, in a war, There was yeah. some tra some traveling yeah. involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so eventually he, uh, he started working or helping out at the Royal Waver Tree School of the Blind. For the blind, not of the blind. <laughs> um, and this is where Redwall was written. Really? Um, yeah. And so I tried to fact check, fact check this little anecdote. Um, I could not fact check it anywhere. All I could find were no other sources who used this as a like a little anecdote in their stories. So I think it's a great story to tell. I don't know how true it is. You know what I mean? So this is mostly for entertainment purposes. Basically what I'm saying is if it if it's not true, I I could I will understand it. If somebody comes to me and is like, you didn't fa that's not based in truth, whatever I'm like, you're right. Our show is a little bit about diving into the story the story of their life though so um so he first started working on redwall when he was um hanging out at the uh, school for the blind and he was working as a milkman right so he'd go around and and he'd 
give people their milk and he'd stop at the school and hang out with the with the kids there and he began to spend time with the children and he would started reading them books but he started to realize how much he didn't like the books at the that were like for these children these mm. these middle-aged children because there was a lot of adolescent like like um uh like angst and uh i don't know they just they weren't they weren't fun enough they were more like i don't know they were just trying to be more serious i don't mm. that's his opinion i don't know what he's talking about they weren't fantastical enough yeah they didn't have enough magic they didn't have enough action and it was all about like ooh i'm a i'm a teenager now this is what i'm going to do <laughs> so he decided to write a story for these kids in the school for the blind and he wrote Redwall and read it to them as he wrote it it ended up becoming an 800 page handwritten manuscript that he wrote for the children and then he gave it to his old english teacher who happened to be like a published author and just so that he could look at it right the one who accused him of making up no this, this, a is, different a different one? One. this okay. is a totally different one sorry uh, he gave it to him just to be like, hey, what do you think of this? He immediately started shopping it around without Jake's uh, knowledge and then approached him and was like, hey, we've got all these publishers that want to publish this book. Uh, and then he ended up getting signed on with the publisher demanding five more books. That's amazing. Yeah. If that is a true story, that is a great origin that's, story. That's how that's how they said, you know, that Red Wall came to be. Came to be. And um and he what he it said to like when he handed his teacher the book it was just in a shopping bag it was just loose papers in a shopping oh bag basically God. like another great imagine? writer uh trait. Eight, 800 <laughs> pages of your uh, like and he's like whatever i just did it and this was before computers so it yeah. was probably like he hated computers out. he hated the idea of using a computer to write a book He'd use a typewriter later on in, in his career. He would use a typewriter, but he would not use a computer. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So eventually uh, it got turned into more books. He got signed on for those five books. And and, uh, and there was a cartoon series on OPB. And he would introduce himself at the end of every episode and talk to children, answer questions that children had. But here's the thing, gang. Here's Here's the thing. <laughs> There's a lot of problems with Redwall. And I'm going to list off every single one of them. Oh, my God. Wait, there's 24 books. Yeah. Here's the problems in the series. In the world specifically are these two. Redwall appeared to take place in the real world. And Cleaning refer referred to places in the real world, like Portugal, right? Um, and the, the horse, I said earlier, is a human-sized carriage being held by run by horses. Outside of a mouse-sized abbey? Right, yeah. And, like... It doesn't work, and the entire army was rats, uh, and they're able to ride in it, so they're obviously in it. There's mention of cows trampling through villages. but And uh, Jake's response to this is, he's like, I didn't expect it to get published, so I didn't <laughs> think anybody would care. Uh, he talked about the religious state of the monks and the, the abbey itself, and he specifically said that there is no religion in uh the redwall abbey the monks do not practice any religion then they're not monks well you can you can be a monk can you be a monk and not have you a monkhood is based off of an order of people and your devoutness to that order whatever the concept is whatever the philosophy is um the monks of uh like you can have buddhist monks and for a long time Buddhism and still to this day a lot of people will say Buddhism isn't actually a religion it's just an ideal that you have I am not speaking for Buddhists I am not telling you that you don't have a religion I'm just saying there are some people who say this so a lot of people who are Buddhist monks would say yeah it's an ideal that you hold to not necessarily a religion we're always so intrigued with Catholic monks that that's like where we go to uh, so there's that um so he he just talked about how like there's no there's no such thing as religion in this in this thing and and there's a couple of times where like uh uh like Clooney talks about how there's you know at like I think uh by Satan's nose or by hell's teeth you know like he makes references to Christianity so people and then there's like a sign that says uh something about like Sataninians and 
uh jake's had to come out and be like yeah there's all there's a lot of different references to hell and and stuff in a lot of different villainous uh monologues i just used the same imagery to point that out and the saint ninians he wrote into the book later <laughs> that it says the sign doesn't say saint ninians it says this ain't ninians so there's uh, no uh, religion <laughs> like he actively worked on having no on religion removing in. the religion um species discrepancies folks <sighs> redwall is the only book in the entire series that makes any mention of domesticated animals animals mentioned in this book but are never seen in the series again include horses, dogs, cows, and pigs. Additionally, the Abbots mentions a village where the dogs and pigs reside, perhaps implying human habitation. But the books following this and the world Redwall is inhabited only is filled with wild fauna. Oh. However, in, I don't know how to pronounce this book. It's the one that starts with an E, Eulalia. <sighs> an owl refers to a cow in the song he sings. Moreover, various kinds of milks and cheeses are consumed oh. by the inhabitants of Redwall. Oh my Through God. no direct description of such farming or manufacturing is <laughs> ever made. <laughs> this this list was clearly compiled by you and then also with the help of like 40 year olds who have no life and are just tearing apart children's books bees can communicate in redwall indicated by a statement at the end of the book where the gorilla shrews learn to speak the language of bees so they could trade and argue this is not noted in any other books all i'm saying is there are some some plot holes we could have had a whole bee like side, side adventure quest. But no, Jake's didn't want to give us that, did he? Well, write your own bee book. I'm going to make fan fiction, and it's all about Abby. Ooh. Huh? Redwall Abby. Oh, that's so lame. Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> I'm I'm 100% doing that at some point in my life, even if it's just a flash fiction. <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> Send us your, your middle school book-inspired fan flash fiction. New contest. <laughs> out New with the we are 100% by the way throwing this out there still doing our Halloween flash fiction get that in by yeah, October like 15th uh, 500 to 700 words it shouldn't take you more than a couple hours to write it out we're going to read it on our show on our Halloween episode so do 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 send that in uh, to uh, lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com new contest <laughs> write Redwall flash fiction about all the species that didn't get it get any spotlight in the Redwall series. I mean, isn't the point probably that like mice are so like, you know, small and inconspicuous and he just thought they deserved some attention and a chance to be a hero. I guess, but a bee language that we don't get to hear or see the bees do anything. Well, he's no Tolkien. <laughs> it's inspired by Tolkien though. <laughs> If you're going to be inspired by Tolkien, you have to do the work that Tolkien did. <laughs> Everyone knows no, that. Tyler, you're inspired by Tolkien. You must be better than him. No, I'm inspired by Lewis. That's a huge difference. I only have to keep up with Narnia. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's a big ask. I, the, it's, this, it's the kind of logic in Narnia. Like, the logic in Narnia is, in the first book, in The Magician's Nephew, a piece of a lamppost fell into the land of Narnia during its creation, and a lamppost grew out of the ground. Don't think Tolkien would put up with that. <laughs> Can you, I just want to like be inside their writer groups or whatever and see Lewis saying something like that, and then Tolkien being like, what the hell are you talking That's so dumb. <laughs> a lamppost can't grow another lamppost. But which god dictated that, Lewis? <laughs> How do you pronounce its name? Right? In what Elven? language does it speak? <laughs> nice. Okay. So that is Redwall. That's Redwall. And 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 a little bit on on Brian Jakes. Jakes. As in cakes and for goodness sakes. Uh, that was actually adorable. You like that? Yeah. Yeah. That that was a cute way of pronouncing your name. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, so mine is quite different. Oh really? Quite different. It's not about anthropomorphic. Uh, no, it does have animals. an animal in it though. But, but anthropomorphic. It, it's not. An I mean, there's there's a scene where it's a little personified. Or are they getting but... high on mushrooms and they see something, <laughs> <laughs> something they didn't want? This is a children's book. 
You don't know what's in children's <laughs> books anymore. I haven't read a children's book lately. I feel like children's books when we were kids were very dark because I was when I was trying to like decide on a book, I was going through all of the ones that I read when I was in middle school. Yeah. And we had like did you ever read the Among the Hidden series? I know what it is, but I never read it. So that was the one where like you're only allowed to have two children or something and third children if you're a third if, child, yeah, you have yeah. to hide and your parents can never acknowledge you. I remember at the end of like the first book of that, the third children all go out and like protest in Washington, D.C. and they all get shot. And I'm like, what? I was reading this in like fifth grade. Jeez. So there was that. And there was like, I mean, The Outsiders was a middle the school book. Yeah. That one's kind of dark. The Giver? Yeah, The Giver. Super dark. Super dark, man. <laughs> yeah. So, and again, these are all like, like the Outsiders came out in the 60s. I feel like The yeah. Giver was It was like the 80s Pretty least, old. Right? Yeah. yeah. So like these, I mean, obviously all fantastic books and your middle schoolers should read them. But when I was looking at more modern ones, I was like, these all seem like kind of more lighthearted. I don't know. Are they? I mean, they have like serious themes, but I don't think there's as much death in middle school books these days. Is that, I wonder, I wonder why that is. I don't is that the publishers are going, look, we don't want this stuff. Is it people demanding less? Is it the writers themselves who are taking that upon themselves? Of Like, look, the giver was kind of fucked up. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I want to write something that's influential like that, but I don't, I don't want to do that. Or even Brian Jace, like he kills a lot of his characters. Like it's yeah. basically mouse game of thrones. Or maybe young adult fiction is just becoming more of a thing so they've kind of shifted those themes up a little bit cuz I don't know uh, that like when you yeah. go back to like the 60s and 70s was there a lot of young adult? No, I feel like it went from kids books to adult books. Yeah, and I think even then like like there like Redwall would have been a child's book. Yeah. You know, like it wasn't middle grade back when it was coming out. It it wasn't like maybe young high school or whatever. It was a child's book. Yeah, it's like you're reading this to your 10-year-old. Yeah, and so like they there was a lot more leeway because the genre was so undefined and it's like, yeah, it's a child's book, but it's something I'd read to my teenager child. It's not something I I mean maybe you read it to your 4-year-old. I don't know what you do. <laughs> but like there's there's definitely like a mouse ate a cookie <laughs> and Redwall. <laughs> like those are two different things, you know. So maybe it's like how like scary movies uh, like give a mouse a cookie. That's you, the name of it, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, like scary movies back in like the 90s and 80s. Like I feel like they were all like PG mm. and then straight to R. Like if there were sex scenes or something like there wasn't. A There's whole... no such thing as PG-13 back then. I so. don't I don't know if there was. Yeah. So yeah. like you'd have things that would totally be PG-13 now that were yeah. just like PG back then. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. So anyway, so I felt like a lot of the books that were newer that I was seeing, um, so wait, are you saying this nicer. book is PG or PG thirteen? Oh, this, oh your book? No, your book. Oh, my book is totally G. Like it's G. Yeah, it 100%. was. It was a heartwarming story. All right. Lovely. So I read Song for a Whale, um, and it's about a twelve year old girl named Iris, who is the only deaf person in her school. So at the beginning, it's all about her struggling to fit in. She grew up with a hearing hearing parents and a hearing brother. But her grandparents were both deaf, mm. so she had that connection with them. Prior to the book starting, her grandpa has died, and she was very close with him. So she's she's in a tough spot as a middle schooler. Great. We're just getting started, and people are already dying off? Yeah. <laughs> he died off before the book started. So, so I guess, yes, there's death, but it's a grandpa death, so I feel like that's not Oh, unexpected. it's a grandpa death, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> If you're old, you can die. It's not a big deal. It's not someone getting <laughs> stabbed by a mouse. <laughs> so she she's going to this school where she feels left out by her peers and her teachers. She talks about how, like, they always talk to her interpreter instead of talking directly, like, looking at her while they're talking. So she is is in a bad place. Um, she's also a tech genius, though. Ooh. So her little little side story is that she spends all her free time fixing up radios for this little shop. Nice. Uh, and, I mean, she, like, feels when they're fixed, basically. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So. Because she can feel the vibration. Yeah. Yeah. She said, like, sometimes she's not, like, 100% there, but she can tell, like, it's mostly fixed, and then the person will be like, oh, it's still, like, a little bit staticky. Yeah. But, I mean, still way more than I was doing when I was 12. Um, so when she's in school, they're doing this science class, and they learn about this whale called Blue 55. And 
his deal is that he can't communicate with other whales because his like whale song is the wrong frequency. Oh no. It's like a little bit too low or something. Oh my god. So he's, he's out there singing in the ocean and none of the other whales sing back and they try to get rid of him because no. he can't contribute no. to the whale pod. No. I don't like this. I don't like this book at all. And so Iris obviously <laughs> identifies very strongly with this whale who can't communicate with the other whales. Um, and since she's just a freaking little genius, she figures out a way to speak to him. So she like writes this song that's the same frequency that he sings. And she's like, I want to play this song for him so he doesn't feel so alone. I don't like this book. <laughs> and so <laughs> the interesting thing about this, though, is it was cool listening to slash reading a book that was from 2019 is when this came out yeah because like all the books that we read in middle school they're all like pre cell phones pre-internet pre-social media so in this she's like got her phone she's going on social media all of that stuff so that was kind of cool just seeing how that's like been adapted for for kids these days quote unquote so she goes and she like finds this um like oh god i'm totally spacing on the name but some sort of like marine biology group that's trying to find this whale and tag him so they can track him and like study him more Mm -hmm. um and on their social media page she like reaches out to them and she's like hey i wrote this song for him i want to play it so there's this whole like inspirational career thing like oh we love your song like this is amazing that you wrote this but then it turns out that they're not gonna play it for him because like come on someone someone is like no we don't have time for that you're no like yeah we're just going to go. That's stick, all we want. Stick him with a tracker. So she has to. Fi- Iris is just like, no, I'm going to play my song for yeah. this lonely whale. Yeah. So she has to figure out how to get to him. And she's like living in Texas or something. And he's supposed to be up by Alaska. Okay. So she and her grandma, who's like in an old folks home, very depressed and lonely. Yeah. She like springs her grandma out of there. They go on a cruise to Alaska. Nice. Don't tell her parents. They just leave. Yeah. That's uh, a good move for sure. Perfect. Sure. Very responsible. So they have this Mom whole Mom like, and Dad, if you're reading this, I'm either dead or in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> they tell their parents at some point, but they're like very vague about it. And yeah. her mom's like, When are you gonna come back? I'm worried about all the school you're missing. So their parents would not be like that. They would be like, Holy crap, we're They'd be like, Get, get you. your fing ass here, you son of a I want you back in school. <laughs> well, parents these days i know right right? (laughs) 90s parents am i right (laughs) so so she and grandma are having this little side quest on their cruise um and that's like a whole other experience because she meets like a new friend who whereas all her like hearing school friends were kind of lame and would like have their little conversations and not tell her what they were talking about sure uh and didn't really make an effort to learn sign language she meets this other girl on the the cruise ship and she actually like tries to learn sign and like nice writes down some of the notes and stuff um so that's like a very meaningful experience for her they make it to alaska pretty much right after that they find out that the whale swam south and now he's going down toward oregon nice Coming Shout to out Oregon. to Oregon. We're having a good, good ass time. Better than Alaska. <laughs> Better than Alaska. <laughs> Do we have any listeners in Alaska? <laughs> Alaska, reach out to us. Let us know if you're better than us. We don't think you are. I love Alaska's beautiful, but too dark for most of the year. Yeah. And too sunny in the summer. <laughs> but other than that, it's great. So they've got a like about face, and the cruise is like ending in San Francisco or something. So they hop off at the Oregon stop. And she she runs with her song on her cell phone or whatever. And she has like a Bluetooth speaker. And so she makes it to the water. She's waiting to see Blue 55's water spout or whatever. She sees it out there. So she jumps into the water, which is probably freezing. It's the Pacific. Yeah. Not a smart idea. Not a good move. And plays her song. And that's when they have the little like whale moment. And she's when the whale is like, I hear the song of my people. Nice. Very emotional. Does it fix the whale? No, and see, okay, my one problem is that it seems like this is a little bit mean because the whale is going to swim up to the speaker and then be like, it's Where's not my a, people at? It's not another whale. It's just a machine. Yeah, this is dumb. <sighs> so, I wanted it to be like, oh, it reset its brain and now it can sing the harmonies of its people and it's fixed. You want whale brain surgery? <laughs> I want I want a whale deos... M- Deus ex ma- machina? machina. I got there. Yeah. I got there. 
I want a freaking whale MacGuffin, man. <laughs> so hopefully this was meaningful for the whale. But in the end, Iris is the one who really benefits because her running away showed her family how she needed more support and to be around more kids like her. So they let her transfer to the deaf school. Nice. So she gets to Wait, talk to Pierce. She had to run away. Yes, because her mom her mom is the the child of the deaf parents and her mom's like, I want you to interact with like quote unquote normal kids, blah blah blah. And then her dad never really understood her and he's not even that good at sign language and gets like very lazy. Ugh. Yeah. People suck. Yeah, so her dad realizes that he needs to try harder and like not just like waver off and uh, be like, Hey, no just, way. I have to be a father. Yeah. Not be like, oh, just write down what you're trying to tell me or like sign slower. It's like, Ugh. no, I got to sign faster because I'm her dad. Yeah. So it improves her relationship with her parents. She gets to go to a school where other people sign and it's all peachy keen. Nice. <laughs> and so the author of this one, obviously, since it's newer and she didn't write 24 books already. No. Not as much biographical info, but it was pretty cool because... um. Lynn Kelly, when she was in college, she took like a, a sign language class and that inspired her to become an interpreter. So um, she, her work has taken her from like classrooms to hospitals to Alaskan cruise ships. Nice. So a lot of that played into her writing this uh, story. And I think it's really important too, because uh, like one of my friends is the child of deaf parents. Mm -hmm. So he like speaks or signs fluently. Yeah. That's like his first language. And then I also rented a room when I was living in California from a woman who was a sign language interpreter yeah. whose sister was deaf. And like sign language interpreting is so much different than I think other language interpreting because it's so, it's so dependent on like facial features mm -hmm. and like like when you're translating different languages sometimes just knowing the language is enough like you know the words yeah. sign is not like that it's more about the emotions so like yeah. signing technically is wrong if you're doing it like by the books you're probably not communicating well because the person who's like trying to get a sense of what you're saying they're going to be like your emotions are all wrong like why right. are you frowning yeah why are why are you so rigid yeah, you're, you're frowning and you're concentrating on what are the words i need to say but that's not how sign language yeah, works. Yeah, you need to do the feeling. Yeah. Like, I mean, they have, like, deaf choirs and stuff, which yeah. blows my mind. But it's all about the the, the gestures and the feeling and the emotion that you're portraying. So I think this is the kind of book that it's really good that a sign language interpreter wrote it because I don't think anybody else could. Like, there's one part in the book where she's talking about, um, like... Uh, doing poetry with sign language mm -hmm. and how um, Iris and her grandpa would make story poems where they have to use signs that are like the same hand shape. Mm. So you would start with like, if you're starting with a closed fist, yeah. every sign you make has to be with that hand shape. Mm. And so it like rhymes. And then she tries to write a story like that for her English class. And the teacher, who's like this massive bitch, uh, gives her an F. She's like, it doesn't rhyme. Who would be Who would be like that? Who, who <laughs> the... F uh, also, by the way, poetry doesn't have to rhyme anyway, but... <laughs> yeah, free form. You ever heard of it? <laughs> Haikus. You ever heard of it? Come yeah. on. And Iris is just there but like... who would be like this to <laughs> deaf people? Who would be a dick to a deaf person for not being able to hear and do the same things that everybody else does? Like, that's the dumb... That's the dumbest thing. I'm sorry. I know it's a fictional character, <laughs> but I know that there are people out there. Look, if you do not get that deaf people all, cannot do the same things that you can do, and so you hold the same standards to them and you get mad at them, you're a dumb person. You're a fool of a person. Understand the limitations that people have and have expectations that are set by those limitations. That's how humanity grows as as a culture, as as people. Oh my god, it pisses me <laughs> off every time I see that shit in a movie or a book like this. It I lose my mind, cause cause why? Other than a plot device to make you feel something for this character, which obviously I do. <laughs> yes, I like the the passion. Like it's just it it just bothers the shit out of me. Yeah. I don't know. I was just reading or listening to it, and I'm like, I liked your poem, Iris. <laughs> <laughs> it's also super interesting to me that that this is a it's a book, so like, to be able to read it, and and have that, the expression of sign language through, 
written word. I'm sure that that's not an easy thing to convey. No, yeah, because, I mean, also, like, phrases that you use in American Sign Language are different, too. And they talk about that at one point. Like, um, I think her the character's dad says something like, that train has left the station or something. Yeah. And she's like, in sign, like, that's a different – you say that differently. Like, it doesn't make sense when you – Right, when you the, say that the, the process of of creating a sentence in sign language is different than right. even English. The the language that American Sign Language is based off of, it's different. Right. right? You don't have the is's and theirs and, and it's and things like that. It it's it gets more to the point. It is, you know, like train station gone. Yes. Like that's how you would sign the train has left the station. Exactly. But again, you're using everything. You're not just using like, oh, this sign and whatever, and you're bored looking. Like you are like explaining it through your face and your gestures themselves and, and your body language just as much as the sign itself. So it, it is, it's a language that requires real listening skills. I don't think <laughs> that you can not be an active listener and have a sign language conversation. Right. And it's a language where there's like different types of people communicating through it. So one of the other things I liked was that um, the author, Lynn Kelly, had Iris, who doesn't speak at all. She she just signs. Right. Um, versus her grandmother, who um, can hear enough mm. so she can like read lips well. Uh, she can talk and she does talk to some people sometimes yeah. uh, because there are deaf people who can hear enough or like became deaf later on after they'd already learned to speak so they still speak and sign um so i thought that was cool too um showing that you know there's different types of, of deafness <laughs> yeah not not to sidetrack too hard but there there's a new movie i think it's on amazon called the sound of metal and it's it's about like a like a musician a drummer and he like just out of nowhere loses his hearing and and it just gets worse and worse and worse as it progresses and he try he's in a relationship with a lady um and they they're in a band together and he's like no i i love you i want to keep doing this i'm a good drummer i'm gonna keep like drumming even though i can't hear anything and so it, like it's i've only seen the trailer it looks like he tries and it doesn't work out very well so then he has to like reserve himself to go to this place where he learns to be a deaf person, even though he like, he's like, I'm a musician. I can't lose my hearing. And so it's like the struggle of like his life is music. And now like, how does he either give that up or make it work for him now that he can't hear? So I love stories that are about people who like that are deaf and they, they overcome that. And not overcome by like, oh, I can hear now, but overcome it in like, this is how I live my life now. Um, there's a UFC fighter who is deaf and they did a movie based off of his life. And I was in tears watching it because it's so powerful. This this guy who's like, all I want to do is wrestle. doesn't matter that I'm deaf, but to everybody else it matters. And he's like, I, I don't understand why it matters. And like he grew up trying to be a normal person. And it wasn't till college when he found out that there's an actual like group of people that are deaf who have like their own culture. And he's like, wait, you guys like you guys don't talk out loud. And they're like, no, we never talk. We only sign. <laughs> right. Like and he's like, that's nuts. You know, and he's a deaf person. So he has to learn his own like deaf culture ability and whether he wants to accept that or try and be a nor i'm air using air quotes normal person yeah those stories always get to me i like it i i would encourage people who haven't interacted with deaf people to like do something like go to a, a deaf choir performance or something yeah uh i went to a deaf run haunted house at um, oregon school for the deaf which is in salem okay that was super interesting. Those yeah. kids were so into it. It was terrifying. I hate haunted houses. <laughs> I went for like a, a work story. I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. And it didn't occur to me that I would have to actually like Go walk through, through the, the haunted, haunted house. house. Yeah. But yeah, it was just super cool talking to them and like and seeing how they got into their characters and they liked seeing the expressions on people's faces when they mm -hmm. went through. They're like, that's the best feeling. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, just if that's not a you know, a walk of life that you normally interact with, just go do it and be like, yeah. oh, what? There's other people that have different, like, 
life experiences than me what no way (laughs) it's so crazy when you open up yourself to other people's experiences of life how accepting you become of them (laughs) wild it's so crazy i'm pretty sure we've had this exact conversation (laughs) before yes and we will again (laughs) i think it's hilarious that our show between lewis and lovecraft lovecraft being one of the most like close-minded people there is we're we're spreading our peace and joy message (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, don't be like Lovecraft. Yeah. Be the anti-Lovecraft. Be the an- we are the anti-Lovecraft. Oh, man, we got to make a shirt oh, out of that. Anti-Lovecraftian. I am the anti-Lovecraft. Yeah, man. Uh, it'll be Lovecraft, but with, like, wings and a, and a halo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, Hannah, do you have anything else? Not really. Just uh, get out there and read some books for fun. I, that's what I really liked about this episode was like just reading something kind of for the joy of reading again yeah it reminded me of like like i'm an adult now so i'm not going to be reading a lot of middle school books obviously but it reminded me of how fun those books can be and how like it doesn't have to be a chore we had a hard summer i'm not gonna lie (laughs) like you and i we did a lot of research this summer and and it was a little daunting for me um but it was really fun to be able to to actually read something that I enjoyed, which I, I read the Red Wall, and now, like, we taught we had already talked about doing Frank Herbert later in this year, and then the Dune movies coming out, and so I was like, I picked that up, and now I'm in love with it, and so I'm in I'm enjoying this book that I'm reading, so that I can talk about it on our show even more, like, so it's kind of a best of both worlds situation for me. Um, because I want to talk to everybody about it anyway. <laughs> so having a show lets me go like, no, I don't need to talk about it yet. I can wait. We can save I it. Can, I'm going to just, <laughs> when, we, when we start recording that episode, um, next episode is probably going to be pretty chill too. Cause it's going to be right before Halloween. I will be getting together, starting to work on the special, special Halloween episode again please submit your stories guys the sooner you get it in the sooner you're going to relieve my stress because (laughs) I want to see how many stories we have coming in and how many people I need to try and get to read some stories so um you know don't don't worry about it being perfect just send in your stories have fun with it um and and we can we can work with you if if there's something that you want to change or something later on but have those in by the 15th of October um, are you next, doing one? I'm 100% writing the story. Oh, yeah. If you're doing one, I have to do one. So. Oh, yeah, you do. You uh, didn't realize you had no, to do one? No, I didn't realize that. Yeah, you got to write one. Oh. Come on, it's well, your show. So. Okay, guys, if I can write a story for this in like 16 days, so can you. I have not started my story either. <sighs> Procrastinator. I'm I'm stressed about it. To be honest, here's why I haven't, I haven't started. Because every time I sit down to start writing it, I just think about how I'm going to have to work on that episode, Mm. right? So, like, I get stressed about that, and it's hard for me to write. And then I end up working on other projects to be like, no, I got to get something done, (laughs) right? Um, So, so look, Hannah and I still haven't written our story. So if you have not started on your story yet, it's fine. It's okay. You haven't missed the, the deadline for starting your story. You can write 500 words very quickly. Um, you'll be surprised how quickly they come and, um, and you can revise it after you read it and, and work it and, and do whatever you need to do. So just don't be afraid to open up. I promise you, I'm going to open up a, a Google doc <laughs> and I will pump one out. And if I can do that, you guys should too. Um, and our next episode, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite, uh, movies. Halloween movies. Yeah. Yep. Cause we don't talk about movies as often as I think we should. Yeah. I mean, we I are mean- a literature podcast, but movies are just literature for your eyes oh shit that needs to be something is that gonna be a sticker or a t-shirt i gotta figure out what that quote is gonna be movies are literature for your eyes even though also reading okay books shut up <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah so uh come back and hang out with us uh on our next episode where we where we hang out and talk about our favorite scary movies or something, uh, feel free to email us uh, with your recommendations for scary movies or, you know, comment on Instagram or, or anything like that. You can email us at lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com. That's the same email that I want you to submit your stories to. 
Um, you can go to facebook.com slash Lewis and Lovecraft, where um, if you comment, you will be the first to do so. <laughs> um, you can see us on Instagram at Lewis and Lovecraft. That's where I post majority of our stuff. So if you want to keep up with us, that's the place to go. You can also go to our website, lewisandlovecraft.com. And there we have a contact page. If you want to get a hold of us through that, you can do it. It's going to go to the same email, though, lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com. And as always, thank you to Jake Basson for our awesome intro music. You can find more of his work at soundcloud.com slash Jake Basson, spelled uh, B as in boy, A-S-S-E-N. Yes. And don't forget to subscribe, folks. We've got subscribers somewhere out there, and we need more of them because we do fun stuff, and we want you to know when that stuff comes out. And if you happen to subscribe on iTunes, be sure to rate and review us there as well. It really helps other people figure out what our show is like and uh, feel even more inclined to hit that play button. Yeah, um, and we're we're on everything, so, so check us out on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, we're, we should be everywhere at this point. Um, so wherever you get your podcasts, check out. And of course, tell a friend. It's the best way to do anything, man. Tell a friend. Send this episode to someone who has a middle grade kid who you think should read more, or your kid. Don't send it to the middle grade kid, though, because we curse too much, but send it to their parents. I'm okay with you sending this to the middle. I just want that to be clear. I would not curse if I didn't feel okay cursing around children. I was a youth leader for, for a few years, and I got used to just not holding back because they're children. They need to know that there's real language in this world. God, stay away from my future children. I don't curse that bad. No. I just use words when I want to use words. I know how the English language works. Yes, you do. Frickin' flip frick, dude. Frickin' flip frick. Frickin' flip frick. And on that note. See you later, folks.